Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me today are the Harold and Maud of Football Scotland. It's old man and dad, Jules Boyle and young, smiley face millennial, Gaby Mackay. Hello, righty. <laughs> On the pod today, we're going to look at Kieran Tierney and his move potentially to Napoli and why image rights could get in the way. We're going to talk about Paul Hartley's move to Cove Rangers and Lauren Shankland potentially signing on for Dundee United and what that means for the championship. Start off with Kieran Tierney, a topic that we feel like we've probably covered quite a lot, but uh, I imagine it'll probably not be the last time. We go back to it, Jules. Uh, did you happen to read Gaby's lovely piece today about image rights? Yes, I did. I didn't particularly understand it massively. Um, well, who better to explain <laughs> it in more detail? Than himself. <laughs> Mr. Mackay, what is happening at Napoli and why might it have an impact on Tierney's transfer? Okay, I mean, I'm sure the listeners are all here for some absolutely red-hot image rights chat. Uh, so basically, it's a sort of underreported thing of football transfers is that when a player joins a club they have to work out their image rights. Now, usually what will happen is they'll assign uh, certain parts of their image rights over to the club they're joining so that that club can use them in advertisements and stuff like that, but they'll maintain some of their own image rights so they can follow their own endorsements that they want to do. So, for example, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic signing for Manchester United. He's a Nike athlete. He's signing for an Adidas club. They'll sign a deal where he can do, he can promote Manchester United's sync partners or whatever. He can wear the Manchester United kit, but there'll have to be other Manchester United players with him. So he's just not essentially just doing what would be an Adidas advert when he's being paid by Nike. Now, uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis, who is the Napoli owner, comes from a film background. I'm sure two film buffs such as yourself will be familiar with Dino De Laurentiis, who was his uncle. King big, Kong. Big Dino. Flash Gordon. Quite. So, <laughs> uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis also comes from a film background. Now, uh, if you're doing a film, you would get basically all of the actors' image rights. You know, if you're making James Bond, for example, you'd have the right to put Daniel Craig in a Heineken advert because Heineken have paid you to promote your film. You'd have that. So basically, the De Laurentiis approach is, look, if I'm paying X million to sign you and I'm paying you X million a year, I'm going to put you in whatever adverts I want to put you in. So he insists that players have to sign over 100% of their image rights to, to him or to Napoli when they join, which leads to some very funny uh, Napoli calendars every year, which you can, you can look at online. If you read the piece on Football Scotland, there's an image of Marek Hamzik dressed as an elf and uh, <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti as a carpenter because basically they can't say no because at Napoli own their image rights. But the problem with that is if you already have a deal with Adidas, Nike, whoever, you're going, they're going to have to either break off that deal or renegotiate it so that Napoli can be cut in on this deal. And what that means is a lot of these, a lot of the deals Napoli try to do either stall or collapse because players don't want to give up these endorsements or it's difficult to work out a deal. So you look at James Rodriguez, who's almost certainly going to sign for Napoli, but basically nothing's happened for about two weeks, presumably because they're negotiating with him and his agents to try and work out how whatever deals he has with Nike or whoever it was, how that will work out for Napoli. Now, Kieran Tierney, I don't know what other endorsements he has, but certainly he has a boot sponsorship deal with Adidas. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to give that up, but if he goes into negotiations with Napoli, he'll also have to negotiate with Adidas to either cancel that or uh, put put Napoli basically into the deal because De Laurentiis absolutely refuses to sign any player if they won't sign over their image rights to the club, which is a very unusual stance in football, but one that he's absolutely militant about. Fascinating. 
kind of was in, in a weird way it's like one of the most boring things ever but it was actually interesting to listen to um, and that is meant as a compliment <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing how complicated these deals have got now if yeah. you look back to when you were a boy back in the 60s Jules indeed yes you know when posts. you know 50k would grab you the Scottish Premier League's top scorer those days have changed so much and there's so much detail involved in these kind of contract negotiations. It's actually amazing so many transfers get done at yeah, all. Yeah, totally, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously some players will be more up for these sort of things than others. You, you'll get your image, you'll get these people who are so concerned with that. Kieran Tierney's not a player you think is going to be really, really obsessive on it. depends who's looking after him. But this well, is that's it. It's the agents, isn't it's it? The agents. Not the player themselves. But I think I think some of the players will be really dry. I mean, you can imagine a you know an Amar type will be more concerned with the money he's making and his image rights than a Kieran Tierney. I would imagine, and not just in terms of stature, in terms of being an absolute weapon. I think is more your thing. Um, but yeah, it's a totally different ball game. And I think it's hilarious that the, the, the Delenitis fella is so hardcore about it. And obviously, there must have been great players that they've lost that they could have got because he's just like, nope, you're going the calendar. Do you know what I mean? And that's just it. And players are just like, well, I'm not coming then. Do you know what I mean? So, no, it's, it's a complicated, um, different ball game. Literally, literally a different ball game. I, and, and not in a good way, I don't think. The, the Tierney thing's becoming the saga of the summer, Gaby. There's no doubt about it. We're writing about it every every day, as is everybody who covers Scottish football, because it seems like um, there's multiple levels to what's going on. My question to you is, are you surprised there's not more clubs than Napoli and Arsenal? Are you surprised that... Manchester United, who have Luke Shaw as their first choice left back. Uh, uh, Manchester City, who have had to convert players like Fabian Delph and Zinchenko, I think is the other guy that they, they play, the youth player. Are you surprised that big clubs like that aren't looking at Kieran Tierney and going, you know, for that kind of money, 25 million, that's not a lot of money? Slightly, I suppose. Um, I mean, Manchester City thinks a different case. I think Pep Guardiola just dreams of having a team of entirely central midfielders. So he'll just he'll put. So that's why Delph and Zinchenko are playing at left back because they're central midfielders. I'll just put them in there. Um, the other ones, yes, I can see. I mean, again, I think I've probably said this on the podcast several times. You've got to remember he is coming off a season which was hugely disrupted by injury, yeah. where he's had to have quite a you know not a serious surgery in terms of life altering, but you know a fairly major surgery. That might put off clubs, uh, you know, the the real top top elite clubs of the game, uh, spending that kind of money on them. Whereas a team like Arsenal or Napoli, big clubs, don't get me wrong, but maybe just a step below your Manchester United, your Juventus, you know, in in their leagues, they see a player who is is he is he twenty two still? Twenty two, yeah. Yeah. So they see a player who's twenty two, but still he's got a lot of experience. He's played in the Champions League. They see him as a player who can come in and that maybe they can then sell on to one of those really really top elite clubs. And I think that's why those two in particular, because of the model they have, are probably very interesting. So you look at Napoli last summer; they signed Fabian Ruiz, who just had a great tournament at the European Under Twenty One Championships. You'd imagine in the future he'll probably move on to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or whoever. I think they probably see Tierney in a similar level to that. Obviously, we don't know that it may be that other clubs come in. If they look and they see 25 million, they think, hey, that's worth a punt, absolutely. But I I think the reason that it's Napoli and Arsenal are seen is because very much because of the model they have. Well, Celtic are certainly being active in the transfer market when it comes to left-backs. Uh, we know that uh, Emilio Izaguiri has left the club and with Kieran Tierney's future in doubt, that does leave them quite short <laughs> in that area. It's Celtic way. Now, it looks like Bolo Mbombo, coming from Rapid Vienna, is the name on everybody's lips. £3 million, 24-year-old Belgian left-back. Does he fill you with excitement, Jules? 
mild excitement um, for what I've seen of them. Um, obviously, I watched them playing um, recently, that, that, that time before when they played the Rangers. Um, he looks, he's a big unit, he's like 5'11 or something like that. Yeah, he's, a, he's an inch um, taller than Kieran Tierney, he's, he's heavier he's, and he's certainly built, built a, a lot, but he's a big lad. So you're, look, you're looking basically, look, if that's the case, I don't think you spend 3 million quid on a reserve left back, certainly not at Celtic. That's quite a lot of money, that looks like he's he's been slotted in to fill a job. You look at him, you look at Ayer, you look at um, Julian and that sort of thing, it looks like Lennon's building back a big back line a big back line of units, do you know what I mean? That'll be big, tough defenders that'll do that. He seems to um, like going forward. He's not quite as direct as Tierney. He's playing a different kind of team, though, do you know what I mean? He's not, I mean, Tierney's playing a team where they have all the possession, they, they win, they all these things. It's a different kind of world he's in. He's the same as Julian as well, a lot of folk criticising him. He's playing the mid-table and team. They're getting less of the ball. They're doing different things. Ah, it's a completely it's, different it's totally different. It's hard world. to watch. You can watch these wee YouTube clips and stuff like that, and it's hard to tell again, because, you know... You could probably even make a YouTube clip of me playing football. Quite short, but get some good moments in it. Do you know what I mean? So these things, mm. yeah, I know. Uh, I said it'd be short. I said it'd be short. It's probably just me falling over. Anyway, but you could. So, yeah, I think it looks decent for what you can say. But at these points, unless you really followed the player over there or that sort of stuff, it's hard to kind of make a thing. But it looks, you know, it looks decent. Yeah, I spent some time on Scout looking at the player today. Um, Jules touches on the physicality, which I think is an important part of the player's game. Very, very strong, very, very quick. A defender, although he can play left wing and left back, more of a defender than he is an attacking player. Um, if you look at his heat map, which you've got in the Football Scotland piece that I did today, he's less of a forward running presence than Kieran Tierney is, but that could be attributed to the fact that he's playing for Rapid Vienna, who came in seventh position in the Austrian Bundesliga last year, rather than Celtic that are dominating games and nine points uh, clear of the top at the Scottish Premiership. But he's also prone to the odd erratic moment, Gaby. Um, he is uh, the kind of player that will give the ball away, with a, a, a sort of mad moment or an, an erratic pass. Um, he's very keen to jump into challenges, which is a positive because he wins the ball spectacularly a lot of times uh, when he shouldn't. Very good tackler. But at the same time, by jumping in, he exposes himself to quick, tricky wingers. Um, from what you've uh, seen of the player, from what you've um, read about the player, do you think he is capable of replacing Kieran Tierney or is that asking the impossible? I think that's really asking the impossible. I don't think Celtic were ever going to get anyone as good as Kieran Tierney to replace him. I mean, you look at Celtic's asking price for Tierney, he's a £25 million player. He's someone Celtic brought through the youth system. So, but I wouldn't, I don't mean that they were lucky to have him, but what I mean is they brought through a player, kind of once in a generation talent. A club like Celtic can't go out and buy a player like that because he's a £25 million player. So, he'll, he'll never be as good as Tierney. He because it's a three million pound player as opposed to a twenty five million pound player. I think all you can ask for is that he's just he's basically good enough to fill to fill in and be you know be better than Hayes and he's a Geary in the Premiership and hopefully in Europe not be too. I mean as as you say I haven't seen a great amount of him but you know if he's if he's a bit rash and reckless if you if Celtic do get to the Champions League group stages and they're playing the real big guns of Europe you probably don't want someone uh, you don't, maybe don't want someone like that coming up against the very elite but as I say they were never going to be able to replace Tierney with someone as good assuming Tierney goes which it very much looks like he will if you listen to Lennon's comments he's very much not uh, it's not hands off warning last comment on this before we move on Jules does this give the rest of the premiership a little pause and and thought that you know maybe we can actually do something here maybe we can 
claw back on Celtic, particularly Rangers, because isn't this Tierney situation replicated across the entire team? When Tom Rogic goes, they won't be able to replace him with someone as good. When Callum McGregor goes, they won't be able to replace him with someone as good. It's the same with Kieran Tierney. Arguably throughout the team, there's that problem because these players have got to a level whereby they've, they've, they've outgrown the, the, the Scottish Premiership. If not Celtic, the club, but the Scottish Premiership. Do you not think that's a, a concern for Celtic and a positive for the rest of the league? Um, not necessarily. I think if they all went at the same time, I think you might have an issue there. Um, then that would be a gut into the team. Um, and I don't think they would do that because it, it, it made no sense for what you're saying. I mean, it, it destabilise the team, it would weaken them too much. Even when you get the money, bring them back in, you'll spend three million, five million, seven million, or whatever, getting someone else in. Bringing in players that are more than good enough, you would think to play in the Scottish Premiership. I mean, that's, that's not like you're not replacing them or you're replacing them with duds. Um, the Rogic thing, I think you look at last season, I, you know, I, I rate the player quite highly. He had a very poor season last last year um, and wasn't massively injured for most of it. He just had a poor season. So it's not the end of the world. Um, I think I think Tierney's sadly looking like he probably will go. Um, and fair play to the guy. Um, I think he can go and become a, an exceptional player if he goes somewhere like Napoli or whatever it is or, you know, something like that. I don't think anyone should be getting too above themselves or too excited thinking that Celtic are going to literally weaken themselves. Um, these things happen in football. You lose one of your greatest, great players. But if they reinvest the money um, and they sell one, they do the, what they shouldn't be doing but is sh- selling... Surely, Jules, surely someone like Daniel Candias will look at Celtic next year and go, well, I would have been up against a £25 million player. Now I'm up against a £3 million player. Yeah, you still can't cross, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good point. And also, they weren't up against him that much anyway last season because he was spending most time injured as well. So, I mean, Tierney was... What what do you make of this game? Tierney was cropped for most of the season. Is there a... still won with nine points. Is there a shaft of light for the rest of the Premiership? It's difficult to say. I think Tierney's a special case. Tierney, as I said, is a a once-a-generation talent. So, you're talking about him. I think he is impossible to replace. You say... They can't replace Rogic with someone who's as good. They could replace him with someone who's less injured. Yep. yep. So with someone if Celtic get in twenty five million for Tierney and nine million for Rogic, will they be able to get the same standard player? Maybe not, but maybe they'll be able to get four or five players of a very decent standard and strengthen the overall squad, the overall collective, without necessarily obviously having an upgrade in the left back position. I think, as Joe says, you look at Celtic last year; they had a very difficult season. They lost the manager. They, their lost top scorer, the, they lost their, their best striker. Then their other best striker spent a lot of the season out injured. Tierney was out injured a lot of the season. Rogers was out injured a lot of the season. They still won the treble treble and they still won the league by nine points. So it's a huge gap that Rangers or anyone else has to overcome. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to Cove Rangers and their appointment of Paul Hartley now. Very, very ambitious um, managerial appointment for a club that is just about to take charge of its... Uh, First season in the SPFL, having come up from the Highland League and obviously dispatched lowly Berwick Rangers on the way. He has had a mixed spell in management, I think it's fair to say. At Aloha, he was excellent, 51% win rate over his two and a half years there, which prompted a move to Dundee, where I think most people would agree he was pretty good for the first couple of years. The third year, though, things went spectacularly awry. Far too many players coming in, the the recruitment being poor. And then a move to Falkirk that kind of underlined those criticisms. Again, 
poor recruitment, 33% win rate at Dundee. And I was actually surprised, given the amount of criticism that I have seen online, that, that he had a 40% win rate at Falkirk, but I suppose it was in the Championship. Um, 16 wins, 8 draws, 16 losses. Gaby, is this a forward-thinking, good appointment for Cove? Uh, I suppose it depends on what colours to Cove Rangers play in. Hmm. Because if hmm. it's dark blue, history would suggest it won't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're exposing my lack of Cove Rangers knowledge here. I know, well, they've obviously come up, we'll all need to... We'll I'm, going, need I'm to, going to guess red and black. Right, well, we'll, we'll obviously all need to learn about <laughs> Sorry, Cove, Cove Rangers, what colour they're playing. Yeah. But no, I think it was one when you saw it this morning, you went, really? Paul Hartley, Cove Rangers done there? So I guess you can look at it either as being a very exciting, bold appointment by Cove Rangers, or you could look at it as an indication of how far Paul Hartley's stock has fallen as a manager after his last two spells. It's probably a combination of both, I would say. You'd imagine the budget won't be as much as it was at Falkirk or Dundee, so maybe that'll curb his instinct to sign 40 players every window. But News just yeah. in, blue and white. Close. Right. But it's light blue, it's lighter blue, it's more like royal mm. blue of Rangers than the dark blue of Dundee. Right, okay, so, so, so he might, might be alright at Cove Rangers. Maybe mid-table, yeah. Well, I think I think you touched on it there, I think basically, you know, what's the Cove Rangers war chest going to be? Um, it, it's probably well, not- you might be surprised, they might be able to outspend the teams in that league you don't have to spend a lot to outspend that you Albion Rovers don't. I mean, it depends how much he wants to spend do you know what I mean I think that's it, what he wants to bring in uh, I think it's a you know it's a very, he won't have come cheap no exactly no definitely not so you, you would think though surely their watch they've got him in how much is it leaving and you know obviously he's coming in saying I want this I want that it's kind of it's quite a lower level I think it's a great move for them um, and not and not too bad a move for him as you said with that sort of synopsis of what he's done he's done well at various clubs it's just recently it seems it's kind of the wheels have started to come off properly um, but I don't think he I don't think he's a disaster in any way Gibby do you get a sense that when you're a manager and you've had a spell of failure you need to get back on the horse so to speak very very quickly Paul Hartley's had a year out of the game since he left Falkirk and if you don't get back on, you quickly become the forgotten man. We've seen it with very good managers, people like uh, Kenny Shields, who had an excellent spell, like Kamarnik. He goes to Morton, he has a bad spell, and then he's forgotten about. John Hughes, terrific managerial record in Scotland, goes to Wraith Rovers, has a bad spell, forgotten about. Is it important that you just get back on, get a job, start working and start building again? Yeah, I think it can be, although you could argue it's also you don't want to rush into things, you don't want to take a job too quickly and take the wrong job just for the sake of taking a job. Hartley's been out for a year, he certainly said, I believe when when he was coming on taking the job, that he was impressed by the kind of the vision and the ambition that Cove Rangers had. Now, as, as we've already uh, glaringly exposed, I don't know a huge amount about Cove Rangers, I don't know what kind of backing they have. For shame. For shame, yes. <laughs> kind of hipster, are you? <laughs> I don't know what kind of backing they have, but if that's a club that has, you know, ambitious owners, has a good setup, and he can take them, you know, even to the sort of higher levels of League Two, maybe even win promotion, that would do. That would go a long way to rebuilding his reputation. I mean, they obviously have got backers that are willing to spend on the club because they've just moved to Balmoral Stadium in 2015, um, having left their their traditional grounds. So. I mean, the 2,602 people can get in there. Um, I've seen some footage of, of the ground and it seems like it's they've spent a bit of money on it to make it up to standard. And I think it'll be one of the better grounds in that division. And, you know, Aberdeen, let's be honest, that Aberdeen area, it's not short of a bob or two, is it? No, definitely not. Um, it definitely sounds like a lot of ambition. Um, you, you, they wouldn't be signing Paul Hartley uh, if they didn't, do you know what I mean? Because it is quite a, 
a bold move, I think. Do you know what I mean? I mean, he could if he'd joined any other club in the Championship, say, you wouldn't be going, whoa, you know, you could see him going back to the Championship club. I think you're right. I think after you've been out for a while, you do need to, you do need to get back on the horse, but Gabe is absolutely right. You, you can't make an arse again, though. Do you know what I mean? You've only got a limited amount of time. You end up, you know, moising it, I believe is the term. Do you know what I mean? You could end, if you then go back, take time out, make another mistake, do that again, it could be catastrophic for his career. Something like Cove Rangers, you would hope, if they've got a bit of backing, they've got him behind it, you would hope that they would do something. If they don't, I think that's the real question. Do you mm. know what I mean, what if, what, if, what if it goes badly pear-shaped? Well, if it goes badly in, there, you'd imagine it's done for that's him. Really. It, that's it. Careers in yeah. deep trouble. Yeah. Right, well, we're going to move on to the Championship now, and it looks like Dundee United have sealed the signature of Lawrence Shankland. Um, obviously a tremendous uh, first half to the season last year in the championship we all scored over 30 goals um, and it, it sort of dropped off the edge of a cliff but he was badly injured I think towards the towards the end of the season uh, and didn't perform as well but a player of significant repute at that level looks like he's on his way to United Gaby does this signal their serious intent under new owner Mark Ogren? It absolutely does uh, Swansea and Hull City I believe were in for him they're obviously English Championship clubs. They could offer a lot of money, so you'd imagine that. Um, Sorry, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's an absolute rookie mistake. Totally. You'd imagine that Dundee United must have put a decent financial package on the table to convince him to go there. He's obviously an absolutely proven goal scorer at that level. He scored, you know, what, I think it was something like sixty-one goal goals in seventy-three games for United in the last two seasons. Okay, one of them was in League One. Uh, apart from Stephen Dobie, I don't think there's a more prolific striker in that league, and obviously Dobie's a bit a bit older. Yeah, uh, I think Shanklin's only 23 or 24. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's obviously going from a very small, some would say insignificant club like Air United to a bigger club. <laughs> like, <laughs> there speaks a Kelly fan. Oh, there you go. I'm only joking. But yeah, he's, <laughs> no, obviously, he's, not. he's obviously going to uh, a bigger club, but it's at the same level. You'd imagine they're a team that would be dominating most games in the championship that will create chances for him and I think it'd be difficult to argue that with possibly the exception of Dobie that he's probably the best striker in that league Dundee United we need them back in the premiership don't we I mean listen I know there's been a bit of animosity from Rangers fans towards Dundee United fans so they, they won't agree with me on that but just generally Aberdeen v Dundee United the new firm derby you know Rangers versus Dundee United will be a tasty fixture when they come back they're a club with a decent support, a terrific history. You look back at the Jim McLean years, don't we need them back? We need our big clubs back. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as saying need, um, but yeah. They're, they're, Scottish they're, football Scottish needs Dundee United. Needs, uh, they're, one of, they're one of the bigger teams, they're bigger supported. Um, of course you do, do you know what I mean? And you kind of want that. There's other teams uh, who I won't mention uh, on there who I think are completely pointless, who you know, are in a place where Dundee United could do a better job and be more interesting to have in the, in the, the league. So yeah, definitely. Um, I've got a, a lot of mates that are. You know, I've got a few mates that are the United fans, and they kind of you know as much as I've enjoyed watching their, their journey, shall we say. Um, you want them back. I think. I think you can. You want. You want all the bigger teams in there, and yeah. it just it just helps Scottish football. It was a profile of Scottish football. They're bigger supported. They're bigger. You know, derbies are bigger. You've got things. Is, obviously, is this not a, a bit of a recency bias, though. I mean, Dundee United have spent most of their history outside the top flight. It's only because they were sort of good once in the eighties. And and, and and our and lifetime, you young guys, Padawan. Yeah, and because you guys grew Remember up in it. the eighties, you think yeah. that Dundee United are a huge deal. But yeah. I don't think well, they are. Well, you, you think Kelly's a huge deal because they were born first in the 18 whatever's before Jack the Ripper yeah but Kelly have, <laughs> Kelly have spent most of their history in the top flight 
Okay, uh, moving on. We do think Dundee United are going to go back up, and I think that'll be good for the Premiership. But we now, before we go, we have some Gabies games. Yep, I wasn't happy when you did a game without me the other day. You're just stealing my game niche. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I, I did enjoy I did enjoy Jules's game, but it doesn't have his catchy name. It so, doesn't. I've put together a wee game today. We were talking about Aurelio De Laurentiis and Dino De Laurentiis, so a sort of film football chat. I thought we've got two film buffs in the studio today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically read you a statement that a footballer was in a film. You tell me if it's true or false. So I'll give you three each. Again, it's not necessarily three true, three false. But you're going to get three each and you have to tell me whether this footballer was in this film true or false. Got it. So I'll start with you, Johnny. Yes. Fitz Hall was in The Fifth Element. True or false? (laughs) False. (laughs) That's true. Fitz Hall was in The Fifth Element as a kid. Really? What? He also has one of the... suppose one size. Yeah, Uh, exactly. exactly. Okay. Uh, Jules. Jean-Claude Darcheville was in the French adaptation of The Longest Yard. Oh. Oh. Oh, you crafty man. Um... I'm going to say that's an elaborate gaby bluff. Yes, that was an elaborate gaby bluff. <laughs> uh, Jean-Claude Darcheville was not in the French adaptation of The Longest Yard. Believable, though. Yeah. Um, One nil to me. Yes. Johnny. Mm. Romario was in the 1998 remake of Godzilla. True. That's false. Ah! Yeah. Painful. Yeah. Okay, Jules, for a 2-0 lead. Carlo Ancelotti was in Star Trek Beyond. True. That is true. That's 2-0 to Jules. Does that mean I can't win now? Yeah. Have you got a tiebreaker? Or is it just six? No. Yeah, so... That's poorly planned. I'm officially defeated. You need to win one. Anyway, we can well, keep you can going. Get, yeah, keep you going. can get... Ah, you're playing for pride. It's a granny now. Right. Yeah. Johnny. Yes. Frank LeBeouf was in The Theory of Everything. True or false? Oh, I think that's true because he did become an actor. That is true. Oh. So you, you're on the board. But Jules, oh. for a perfect score, Andres Iniesta dubbed the Spanish version of Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, true or false? um, That sounds like an elaborate Gaby ruse as well, but I'll have a face on it as well, but I'm going to say it's an elaborate Gaby double bluff and it's true. That is absolutely true. Andres Iniesta did dub the Spanish version. (laughs) So that's a resounding 3-1 win for Jules in the latest Gaby's game. Back of the net. A thumping. A thumping. Um, okay, well, with that um, horrible, horrible, horrible defeat, oh, um, I'm going to draw a line <laughs> under this podcast for the day. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time to make your daily commute that a little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website, our social media channels on Facebook or Twitter, at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can get Jules. Captain underscore Howdy. You can get Gabby. At Gabby McKay. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.